I must have stolen most of my um, kids' art paper because I found these really nice-sized A3 bits of paper in the house. I've got a whole pad of them. <laughs> and I plan out my week. Power to Live More with Joe Dodds. Welcome to the Power to Live More podcast, all about productivity, organisation, well-being, energy and resilience. Joe Dodds and I started this show back in 2016 to enable interesting people to share their stories about how they use their power to live more and by that I mean how they focus on productivity, organisation, well-being, energy and resilience to enable them to do more of the stuff that they want to do and less of the stuff that they don't. After 241 shows I've taken a pause from doing new interviews to reshare previous interviews. They were too good to not revisit. So please do bear in mind that this podcast might refer to events from the past as current or in the future. But rest assured that the stories, tips and advice shared by my guests continues to be pure gold. Hello, my name is Ellie Dodds and I am co-presenter and today Joe is interviewing Mark Williams of GiraffePad. Mark and Joe met through Sharon Gaskin's Trainers Training Company. Sharon was on show number 53 at an online networking event, which was one of the inspirations for Joe restarting Counterpoint Networking during lockdown. Mark has run his training and coaching business for 18 years, initially doing whatever clients needed and gradually specialising into developing coaching skills in managers and leaders. Three years ago, he found the GiraffePad a software platform for independent trainers and coaches to manage their learning events and stretch their learners' engagement. He lives in Eastbourne with his wife, two children and Crazy Hound and loves to run on the seafront, mountain bike on the South Downs and swim in the sea. Back to the studio. Today I'm interviewing Mark Williams of Giraffe Pad. Welcome Mark, thanks for joining me. Thank you for having me. Lovely, so we met a few weeks ago in an online networking uh, event and uh, I, the thing I remember about you is that you had one of those lovely Zoom backgrounds on and you had to change rooms and it looked like you were doing a bit of exercise. <laughs> we, couldn't, we couldn't tell you were changing rooms, we could just see that you were walking. So I thought you were on a walking treadmill desk thing but you weren't, you were just going downstairs apparently. <laughs> it's one of those classic things where you completely forget what you're doing in terms of the video and you just go and do what you have to do. I was literally walking down two flights of stairs and moving to another part of the room because my wife needed to use the office I was in yes, and I yeah. didn't look at the camera so I didn't realise I was going up and down the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, funny. At least but, I was dressed properly anyway. <laughs> yes, that's true, that's true, yeah. So yeah, so we, we met sort of as a result of, of this, this new world of... Um, all of us working from home albeit I usually work from home uh, do you yes so mm. I mean before even giraffe pad when I was running my training and coaching business obviously all of my clients are away from home and that would involve travel probably at least half it only to London so it'd be in the daytime but I had international stuff as well but when I wasn't at a client's I'd always be at home and mm. all of my work with giraffe pad is based at home so mm. it, that hasn't felt that different in terms of what we're doing now really no no so tell us a bit about then who you are what you do and uh, you can tell us a bit more about where you do it <laughs> yeah so um so i started my training and coaching business back in 2002 so i think in fact it turned 18 about a month ago <laughs> um predominantly working with sort of small to medium-sized businesses starting off in the in the travel and tourism industry which were a lot of my collections were and then diversifying into all sorts um, and then more recently, so three years ago, kicked myself in the backside to start an idea I'd had bubbling away for years, which was to build something like an online app or platform that could help trainers manage their events and to engage with their learners when they weren't there. Um, mm -hmm. And that was GiraffePad born. And that has completely taken over my life for the last three years, basically. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely. So I always like to hear stories of... Um, of people who've sort of evolved their business from something mm. into something as a result of that sort of either the pain they had or an opportunity mm. they spotted. So I'd really love to sort of talk a bit more about that. But before we do that, where, whereabouts are you based? So I'm based in Eastbourne on the South Coast. Oh, um, okay. Really, really lucky to live about four, four, four or 500 metres away from the sea. Um, 
and the beautiful South Downs. It's a stunning part of the world. Great yeah. place to bring up the kids. We love it. Absolutely. So I'm a bit further along the coast to your mm. uh, to your east. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> but not quite so close to the sea. It's a 20-minute walk for us. but uh, <laughs> Not too bad, though. Not too no, bad. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, yeah, so talk a bit about that, that whole transition, because, you know, mm. probably if I'd spoken to you five years ago and said, did you know in five years' time you'd be running a software company? Said, <laughs> I would have laughed at you. <laughs> I, still, I still find it very strange to hear that, because I consider myself a non-techie person. <laughs> and now I'm running a software business. Um, so, yeah, it's interesting you mentioned the word pain points, because it very much grew out of that. And so as a, as a independent trainer and coach going into my businesses, I mean, I, I, I've been really lucky. I had amazing clients and clients that in the main were committed to learning and, and wanted to invest in their people. But even with that, if I wasn't there in the building, not much happened. So in the lead up to the setup to the learning event, whether it be an ongoing program or one-off intervention, despite what I sent out or tried to share with the learners, they would regularly turn up into the room on the day I arrived going, Mark, lovely to see you. Uh, what are we doing today? And you think, <laughs> Do you know, they yeah. just, they had no idea. So they weren't ready to learn effectively. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of the day or the end of the program, then you'd look around the room, there'd be so much learning there, flip charts on the wall, post-it notes, the energy in the room as well. And everyone leaves that room and then 90% of it's just left behind. Yeah. And again, I then leave the building or would go away like any trainer or coach does and your interaction was quite limited. So I started pushing myself out of my comfort zone to use various different apps like Dropbox and other things to tra- create communities or create resource sharing. But it was just messy because it was all in different places. Um, and so that was kind of all the pain points that said, you know, just because I'm an external trainer shouldn't mean the learning engagement sits solely when I'm there um, and wanted to build something that could bring the whole thing together, almost wrap around a learning event that could create a, a sort of social learning community amongst the group, um, share the resources, um, start the learning early and finish it late so it's not just about when you're there. Um, mm-hmm. And that's effectively where GiraffePad came from. Amazing. Okay, so you have this sort of thought. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> my, my next question is, what happened then? Because, you know, so many of us have probably had those sorts of thoughts and then thought, oh, that's too hard. Oh, no, I don't know how to do that. Like you said, I'm not technical. Um, or maybe, you know, went off on some sort of route and, and didn't get very, very far and gave up. You didn't. Mm. And you, you've got what looks like a, a really successful business. And you certainly said before we started that it's really busy at the moment with people working from home yeah. and a, a re- sort of an increased interest in that. How, how yeah. did you get over that initial wouldn't it be great if to actually doing it? Well, I'd love to claim some sort of expertise in this, but it, it probably took me, I mean, I, I, I sort of, I'm, I can't be, put my finger on when I first had the idea, but I'd say at least two years before when I started it. Mm-hmm. And only because we've all had to get a little bit more savvy with smartphones and everything else we use in technology. So in my mind, it was going to be an app, it would work on the phone. And I thought, surely these aren't too hard to build. <laughs> started, you know, and, and eventually got to the point where, uh, in fact, I can remember it very, very clearly. I was out in uh, Nairobi at one of my, um, clients that is based out there as a safari company and they own a boutique hotel in Nairobi and whenever I go I usually go out there once a year and I was there there's always a day when I don't have access to the people I'm working with for whatever reason it's because of the flight plans and everything else it's a beautiful place to be stuck for a day very mindful very quiet and calm and I can't remember exactly why it was but I was feeling a little bit demotivated about some of the work I was doing when I was coming back to the UK and it just force myself to say I've either got to make this thing work or not you know I've got to do something about it and I spent a whole day sat in their beautiful gardens just taking loads of flip chart paper and mind mapping out what it would look like creating wire screens as I now know what they're called I didn't know what they're called at the time um and and just building out what it would be and then came home from that trip and put that in front of someone I knew uh, locally an IT person who immediately told me they could build it um and with the best intentions, I'm fairly sure, um, started building it, used all the money up, and then realized it wasn't doing what it was meant to do. Yes. Um, so I could have failed there quite easily straight away. But then a big stroke of luck was one of my longest standing friends, who's a, a coder by career, he's been coding in the banking industry all his life, building all sorts of stuff, came back from his wonderful lifestyle of traveling around the world and working every few months to earn a, a fortune, <laughs> uh, took a look at it, got interested started rebuilding it for me and has subsequently become the business partner uh, and I couldn't do it without him he's amazing on the technical side and that allows me to focus on the product side and the customer side and the and the bit that I know our industry if you like um, mm-hmm. and so 
that was a big turning point for it because that then made it possible because the cost of developing would have been probably out of my um, sphere, if you like, mm-hmm. if he hadn't become part of the business. So there was, a, there was a number of events that came together of it, but, you know, they, they just all fell into place, really. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. So the sort of million-dollar question then, you mm. developed this because you had frustrations with what you could and couldn't do when you were running your training business. Yeah. You're now presumably not doing so much of that <laughs> because you've got no. a completely different business. Um, is that, you know, where you now want to be that you probably need to say yes, but you know, what, no. what, what changes have you, have you seen and, and what, what, um, what's that transition been like? Because you are doing something different now, aren't you? Yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting because I mean, I, I don't even need to say it or feel I should say it. I have such a passion for this product, which I, I, I love training and coaching and I've got amazing clients. And I love the actual coaching and training work, but running a training business, I can't really describe was ever my passion. It was very much a lifestyle business that enabled me to have more time at home while my kids were growing up, do the exercise and other stuff that I like doing. Yeah. This, I, I have no issue and I don't mean from an unhealthy point of view, but working the longest days, constantly on it, it is simply a passion rather than a, I don't see it as a business, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and the transition has been interesting because Draftpad still relatively new, it's growing. So the training business was my, the main business, my income source. But I've been tra- gradually trying to taper that off, not taking on new clients and not necessarily pushing the new work whilst I built Draftpad off. And then lockdown comes along and kind of like like you said like for most trainers and coaches the initial response was everything is postponed or cancelled mm. and whilst I had some online work to do I kind of purposely not pushed some of my clients into trying to consider stuff so I could almost <laughs> as a luxury say to myself wow you can spend two solid months just focusing on draft pad yeah marketing just build it and all that and it has been absolutely fantastic i don't like to say i'm enjoying this process we're going through because obviously there's nothing about it really that should be enjoyable no no but no purely from working my business it's been amazing yes yeah and I mean it's heartening to hear that I mean I've said all along that as a, as a natural introvert almost verging on hermit albeit I'm a you know chatty sociable talking a lot person when I'm in, in public I actually don't want to leave the house mostly yeah. <laughs> um, and I love working online and everything else so um it, it's been you know it, it suits me as well um yeah. and I think we all went into this thinking that you know, there would be no positive stories and it's been heartening to speak to people and hear that there are some great yeah. positive stories that, that have come, that have come out of this as well as all the, the terrible, um, you know, obviously the, the deaths and, and the, just the economy generally and people losing jobs and everything else, you know, yeah. it's not all, uh, you know, um, negative that, that there are some real positive stories out there. Yours being one of them. So it's well, great. To I think, them. I think the whole learning development industry is, is, I've been absolutely awestruck with how sort of creative and resilient, you know, the majority of people who might have focused solely on face-to-face stuff, stuff that was at their clients where they had to interact and get close, never really did any online stuff. Within a matter of six to eight weeks of, of this process, have transformed their businesses and are now delivering happily online. Like it's mm. just been, I find that very uplifting, that they mm. haven't just you know, thrown it all in and had to go and get a different job or close their businesses they've really adapted well which is yeah. really inspiring and with all your expertise from the past and also what you're doing with draft pad now how do you think it's going to pan out moving forwards because as you said businesses weren't interested in lots of cases in doing mm. lots of online stuff because it was too difficult or they didn't have the technology they didn't trust people it wasn't necessary all of that and, and at the moment all of that's gone away when yeah. things start to get back to whatever this new normal is going to be d- can you see this a lot of this continuing uh, absolutely I, I think it because i think there's two reasons well multiple reasons for it really but from a, if i look at from the the trainers and coaches points of views there is obviously already a core of people that were doing it they're ahead of the game that were already expert at this but all those that had to adapt i've seen of all the ones i've talked to and certainly all of our giraffe had customers that are doing this is they've overcome that limiting belief that either they can't do it or it's not right for learning. And they've suddenly realized you can run really good quality interactive sessions online. And mm. it's like kids with new toys, they're loving it. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. I think they're going to want to offer it and offer it as a, a part of their blended package, if you like. Yes, and I think yeah. from a business point of view, I'm not going to claim to an expert on this, but I'm sure so many businesses have finally realized home working is possible. You know, workforce is spread over the place works. Mm. And so that kind of old model of, bunching together 15 people in a room for a whole day 
um, may well be slightly less attractive to them when they can remotely get 15, 20 people into two different sessions online for mm. a few hours. So I think I'm sure face-to-face stuff will come back, but I think that this will never go away. I think no, all the trainers no. and coaches will have it as part of their, their offering for sure. Yes. Yeah. And it's interesting. I mean, there was sort of a, a big move towards things like lunch and learn sessions and bite-sized training mm. and that sort of thing. And, and that's quite hard to deliver with uh, a big organization and trainers coming in unless you can, yeah. you know, have, six one-hour sessions spaced over the day and things like that it's not practical to just have 15 minutes by somebody who's come in just for the day is it so no, i guess exactly. some of that stuff is more possible now as well and and, and i think the fact is that it's uh, my feeling is and probably for myself as well is because i did predominantly face-to-face stuff and a lot of the trainers and coaches that were using giraffe had did there was this sense that online stuff is for more e-learning stuff the more fixed stuff that people do in their own time mm. the idea of being interactive and running a really good session online i don't think really crossed many people's um minds no and now they realize they can do that i mean i'm talking to trainers that were super bit were super busy beforehand yeah. traveling all the time and loving the fact now that they can actually spend some time at home yes. um yeah. and 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 create and, and run online courses and then go out into the garden or go for a walk and do stuff that looks after themselves so i yeah. think yeah. From a trainer's point of view, they're going to want to keep offering this rather than mm. go back to constantly traveling. Yeah, yeah, let's hope the, the corporates um, agree. <laughs> yeah, well, there is that. <laughs> <laughs> so I just want to go back again on the discussion about sort of passion because there's, there's sort of lots of talk about, you know, you should be finding that intersection between what you're passionate about and what people need and what people will pay you for and mm. all that sort of stuff. And some people say, yeah, fine, all, all well and good, but you know, that's not the real world. And other people who are luckily in that position are, you know, raving that that's, that's what you need to do. Did you know that you weren't um, in that sort of place of passion? And was that a problem? Or are you only looking back now, now you can see a difference sort of thing? Yeah. I suppose if, if, you, if I go back to before draft pad and before I was really thinking about it, my if I had to really know that, I'd say my passion was um, having the freedom of choice to spend, you know, as long as I got enough working was to spend my life the way I wanted to spend it. Mm. So it was still a passion in the way. And I got to spend more time than guess some dads get to spend with their kids growing yeah. up. I got to do the kind of exercise I wanted to do outside, which I have a real passion for. So it was almost like the lifestyle element of the business was my passion rather than the business itself. Mm-hmm. When I was actually in a client doing the work, I absolutely loved that. And I would always pride myself on, I'm doing a good job there, but it was more the lifestyle that was the passion. Whereas now with Giraffe Pad, you know, I think if I look back, I was always destined to be self-employed. I, the idea of being employed again, it would fill me with dread. Yeah. Um, and it, I think right from a young age, I always thought I might have some kind of shop or retail or business. I wanted a product to sell. And the downside with the training business was I was the product I was yeah. selling and I had, like anyone, the self-doubts and the limiting beliefs that you could sell yourself in such a way. Yeah, yeah. Now with Giraffe Pad, I've got a tangible technical thing I can talk to people about that exists and it's not me, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm, and I, mm-hmm. find that much, I, I find that much more... Um, is it easy the right way? I'm not sure if easy is the right way, but much more endearing to be involved. I don't have to sell myself. I sell no. the no. actual product, if that makes sense. And in in the lofty world of um, business setup and business planning, you now have a potential exit strategy as well, which... (laughs) Well, we do, but, you know, it's interesting. And someone was asking me earlier about um, my business relationship with Ian, because in the training business, I never had a partner or anyone involved. And we now, I now have a business partner. And in the early days when he joined in, people were warning me, saying, look, you're good friends. How's that going to work? Get contracts signed up. And I took on board all their advice, but actually we are so aligned in where this mm-hmm. is going and so much in agreement. It's like it's two minds talking the same, even though we do very, very different roles. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, whether there's an exit strategy, whether it carries on into something big, we're both in complete agreement that we will go that path together. So yeah. it feels quite, yeah. quite nice. Yeah. Yeah. So let's sort of, explore uh, giraffe pad a bit tell me more about it i've obviously checked out your website i i am also a, a trainer and coach myself so mm. it sort of um connects some of um, or a lot of my listeners will be as well what what does it do what does it help us to do why is it useful what's it like what's it not like mm. okay so essentially 
it, it might be right at the very beginning to say what it doesn't do because it's not like some platforms are out there that does the actual learning session for you so it allows you still to do your magic and your coaching or your your training session or your facilitation whatever it is and then giraffe pad wraps around all of that to try and keep everything in a single place in the first sense if we look at the management side of it so essentially within GiraffePad you create an event page or a program if it's an ongoing program and you add in any resources that you want to share with your learners you create a bio of yourself so they get to see you and understand a bit about you you share the objectives and the description of the program they might be coming on and then when you invite them in there's a chat function so they can all interact with each other and start learning you can post questions in there to get the conversation going if you like you can share pre-work with them in there so there's a single place where they know all of the information is going to be stored for it. And something that's happened in the last six weeks or so is we got approved to be on uh, the Zoom app marketplace, which means we can integrate Ooh. Zoom into, I know this is a huge thing for us. <laughs> Zoom must be one of the five best known brands in the world now. Yes. We're not quite there yet, but <laughs> we're trying to catch up. But it basically means now as a trainer or coach, you can set up your Zoom meeting within GiraffePad. There's no sharing of links. There's a nice easy join button in there. So the learner joins their Zoom session directly in an event page surrounded by resources and objectives. So they've got a bit of a focus about what it is yeah um, there's also a private chat with each learner so you can deal with questions you don't have to go on whatsapp or facebook or anything like that so it's the idea is it's it's not trying to be everything to everyone it's simply saying if you run a learning event or any kind of training session or coaching session this is a one-stop place to engage your learners and manage everything that goes into that the joining instructions are in there uh, learners get a completely free account. They never get charged. They never get marketed to or anything like that. Um, and you can basically run as many events in there of whatever size you like. Um, and I've got a slight tingle down my spine because the biggest single event is running tomorrow on there. The trainer talk community is going to be 87 trainers on there, which is going to be quite scary. <laughs> and trainers um, being trainers, you know, discerning people, they're not just any old people. They, they know whether these things work or not. <laughs> well, exa- exactly. Yeah. So it has, it has the making of either being the most genius PR moment or, or disaster, <laughs> but I'm confident it'll be genius rather than disaster. Yeah. Um, and, and the thing with it as well is you keep these event pages open. So when the learner registers and they're in there and they've got it on their dashboard, they can continue to learn from your material and your interaction long after you've finished the actual learning session. So mm. in my training business, I've got a group that I worked with back in last April, quite new managers developing their coaching skills to work with their teams. Uh, and a year on, they're still posting their coaching experiences in there to share with each other in terms of challenges they've had to overcome. So the group chat is a, a complete social learning area that they feel really safe because their managers aren't in there, their teams aren't in there. It's just a safe peer group that they can share their experiences and learn yeah. from each other. So yeah, yeah. That's Brilliant. essentially what it does, yeah. I mean, with the, the plan is to build it into essentially helping any trainer or coach run a really really world-class learning experience from start to finish uh, and we've got lots of plans to evolve it and develop it in that way so mm-hmm. brilliant thank you thanks for uh, filling in uh, some more details about it so uh, i think there'll be a number of people jumping over to check it out <laughs> as so. a result of that exactly <laughs> <be> <laughs> lovely so what does your day look like now then it, it looks a bit longer than it might have been and mm. with less travel <laughs> um yeah. what what yeah what are you doing now what what what's your day consist of so, it's probably very varied <laughs> you know, it varied but it's that interestingly that i've probably got more of a routine now that when i'm not doing the traveling not doing the training business or anything like that i've probably got more of a routine because i've always tried to do lots and lots of exercise but every single day what are we te- week 10 or something mm. i run every other morning and then do like some kind of workout or weights every other morning whilst i'm at home without exception and it's just simply the best way for me to start a day if i don't get four or five runs in a week I know it really affects me and I get a bit twitch and I need to get out of the house. <laughs> um, so I always start with something like that. Before that, I'm normally up way before my kids. My wife will take the dog out for a walk and I tend to do about an hour's work because Ian is based in New Zealand. So he does a lot of stuff overnight that I then need to test or check or, or confirm. Yeah. So I normally have to do about an hour's work in the morning, then go out for a run and, uh, or do some exercise. Then it becomes slightly less organized because... Um, one the world thing, is awake. <laughs> well, yeah. One thing you can't, because we've got so busy recently, what I can't predict is any of the support work I need to do. Mm. So if someone's got a question about something or wants to log in and something or, or check something for their learners or, or is having a problem with something or wants a demo, I've got a, such a big value of responding as quickly as possible. I can't really say I'm going to do that between two and four, like in a nice mm. organized mm. way. <laughs> so I'll have a plan for my day and I'll have a plan for my week and then that goes straight out the window. 
Um, and, and Monday was a day like that where every single moment of my day from about nine in the morning till six at night was doing that. And I remember walking downstairs and <laughs> seeing my wife and saying, I've just got nothing done today. And I looked, <laughs> Well, we've not seen you for 10 hours. You must have been doing something. <laughs> I said, well, actually, I've done loads. It's absolutely, I haven't stopped, but I felt yeah. like I hadn't done anything. But actually, I had because all of the support work is, is actually quite good for our brand because people seem to want to have access to me rather than all the resources we've created for them. So yeah, kind of reconfirms their close contact with, with someone who's involved with the business. So yeah, yeah, yeah. it becomes slightly less organized, but um, yeah, that's the mm. bit I can't predict each day. No. So how do you then manage that? How do you take that weekly to-do list and and sort of shuffle it and adjust it be, because of the other stuff that's more reactive? Yeah, so if it's things that, sim- like if it's like a task that has to be done, that's probably one of the reasons I'm doing longer days. I end up doing stuff in the evening um, or, or in the morning. I'm, I'm mm. fairly fortunate that the kids have got to the age now where they don't need to quite to be looked after. There's a few bits of homeschooling work, which I'm sure a lot of people are having fun with still. Um, mm. But I can sit downstairs and, and be with them and still do some of those tasks. So I'll get them done. The majority of the work I'm doing at the moment, though, is what I kind of see as really important long-term stuff. And so whilst I don't like delaying it, it's not critical that it happens on a Tuesday or a Wednesday. Um, and what's more critical is that when I do it, I do it really, really well. So it might be new videos around it, or I'm doing a series of user interviews or setting up a user group. Um, and whilst I want to get on and do them, I want to do them really, really well. So rather than try and cram them in on a busy day, I just move it back to a day where I, I may well have more time. And it seems to be working well for me at the moment. So. Mm-hmm. And do you have a to-do list, a project plan? How does that work? Mm, I've, I've got a lot better at that in lockdown, <laughs> I'd say. Um, I found, I must have stolen most of my um, kids' art paper because I found these really nice-sized A3 bits of paper in that. So I've got a whole pad of them. <laughs> and I plan out my week. I found A4 was too small. An A3 bit of paper, it's like a mini flip chart, and I section it out into the important stuff, the ongoing stuff, tasks that have to get done, things that need to be scheduled that might not have been scheduled and then anything other and then at the bottom of it I map out each day and I tick off if I've done the exercise I put in all of the things so for example this podcast interview is sitting under Thursday at 3 p.m and and whilst I'll use Outlook for my calendar and other stuff I find having something I write out really embeds it in my mind and makes sure it happens and I Mm. I like the visual thing of crossing it off and and re-adding stuff to it by the Mm. end of the week it's it's got doodles and stuff all over it (laughs) starts as a quite nice plan and I've, I've got I've kept every single one of the 10 weeks <laughs> I was gonna say have you kept them yes <laughs> yeah because it's kind of shown it so I go back to make sure I've not forgotten something and, and yeah keep it on and actually it's I, I mean now it's not very technical I'm talking as a software business owner <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say paper. it's always the way the most technical yeah. people use pen and paper most often <laughs> yeah I just I find it something about writing it out that seems to embed it in my mind yes yeah um, and it's how I used to plan my training sessions as well I would on the train in to London, whatever I'd planned and, and created on, on documents and PowerPoint side, I would just write out bullet points into a book three or four times and it'd be in my head and I don't need to use anything when I'm delivering. Mm-hmm. There's something about writing stuff down that just works for me. Yes, yeah. So when you're not writing stuff down, <laughs> have yeah. you got uh, particular tools and apps other than GiraffePad that, uh, that you would recommend? I have. Um, and you know, because I, I, I thought we might talk about this, I think these are probably entirely relevant to what i do on giraffe rather than the training and coaching business but they're so good they almost deserve a shout out i mean many people might use quickbooks for example as one i find when i discovered quickbooks the whole financial admin in my business became so much easier and so much better Hmm. um be able to do the vat on it to do the expenses and and the fact that links to your bank account the fact your accountant can be linked to it that saves me a huge amount of time and it's one of those um you know sometimes apps and platforms they either work for you or they don't you know they either feel clunky or they feel really well put together and quickbooks for me is a, is a fantastic one um and i found a, a video tool recently which has really speeded up my process of creating videos called loom yes um which is like a screenshot software that has a, a a small avatar of yourself in the corner talking to the screen as you work around the software that's brilliant yeah that, that speeded up my video creation hugely yeah um and then one that is very very relevant to draftpad which some people might not have heard of but i absolutely love is a is a platform called outsetter um and essentially what they've built is something that saves you having to have 10 separate apps to do 10 separate jobs to run a software business and they do it all in one place 
a bit like I'm trying to do a draft pad in a way, uh, and it's utterly brilliant. It's our CRM, it's our knowledge base, it's our web chat, it's our help channel, uh, it's our activity tracker. It goes on and on and on. It does everything. It's amazing. Wow. And yeah. where did that come from? How did you hear about it? Is it particularly for certain, as you say, software businesses? Yeah, it's kind of, it, it, they sort of position us specifically for SaaS businesses, software as yeah. a service businesses. And um, I'll confess, Ian, who's the techie half of Giraffad, he found that for us and set mm-hmm. us up in it and, and is brilliant. Loom, I actually got recommended by a fellow trainer who, who does some techie training as well. Um, and it's a really simple uh, video service to use. Yeah. Uh, and QuickBooks yeah. is another one that I actually got, rec- I, I started using for my training business first. Um, and again, other trainers were recommending various ones like Sage and Zero, and, and I looked at all of them and QuickBooks just stood out a county mile for me as just to how it yeah. works. So. Yeah. Have you noticed that you're, you've got a different sort of um, level of discernment of, of software now that you're mm-hmm. running a software company yourself? Absolutely. I don't think I'd have even heard of the phrase user experience before I started Drawfad. And do you know what I'm finding really interesting? Because we've got really busy recently. uh, I'm I'm a little bit close. I'm obviously very biased. And I think Drawfad is very straightforward and intuitive, but it's backed up by probably 98% of our users and our learners just get on there and start using it straight away. And then I get really surprised when someone contacts me, Mark, I don't know how this is kind of, where does that go? How do I see this? I said, well, if you just move up slightly up the screen, you'll see it there. And I don't want to be patronising or ridiculous, and, but it's just there. Yeah. <laughs> and but for some people, and I've realised, I've, I've had to really challenge myself on this and realise that actually, I, I think we have an eye for it. It either suits your eye or it doesn't suit your yeah. eye. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why I guess professional user experience consultants come in because they try and take everything into account. It's something we're going to put you up at few in the, in the next few months. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I've definitely, definitely become more judgmental about software, that's for sure. <laughs> I think it's also um, a sort of confidence thing as well. I, I coach a, a lot of students who are sort of getting involved in internet marketing in one shape or form. Mm. And I have exactly the same thing. I don't know, we might be looking at AWeber for email marketing and I say, click the button that says whatever. And they're like, where? And you go up the top. No, 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 left, left, left. You know. And you, you're, you know, you're like, it's just there. It's really obvious. But as you say, you know where it is. So yeah, it, exactly. you intuitively know where it is because you've used, you've clicked that button so many times. But people get blinded because they're panicking i think sometimes yeah. it, you know and, and it, whole, it's it's like yeah. anything it's new isn't it if you're looking at something yeah. for the first time you don't know it i mean i know i totally get on but i look at it you know, 10 hours a day every day so yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. to me it's obvious obviously but uh, yeah but, but also, luckily most sorry yeah. go on yeah. i was just gonna say i think also you know we've i've said um i'm sure i've said it on the podcast a number of times i think people like apple have done our uh, the, the sort of people of the world a disservice in in saying that everything is intuitive and therefore you don't need any instructions because there's so many things that you can just use but actually there's loads of things under the hood that if you actually um fiddle around a bit and and know and somebody gives you a tip or whatever you can do so much more but yes you can use most stuff without needing to know any more detail but it's amazing how many things you could you know do better if only you knew that they existed so uh, do you know i've got a great example of that is that we use stripe as our payment processor uh-huh. uh, and I, again i'm a really big fan of stripe i think it's absolutely fantastic i wouldn't necessarily say it's all of it's really really straightforward the interface but is actually, awful isn't it <laughs> yeah but, but you know if you if you dig into stuff and you i found you can almost teach yourself things or they've got lots of support there and i've i've been almost as a point of pride to save me always having to go to Ian saying techie what do we do now <laughs> I've taught myself how to use it and I've changed people's subscriptions and and done stuff in there and added coupon codes and and I it's a good example that if I hadn't persevered I'd have probably only used one percent of its functionality yeah because like you yeah. said it's not necessarily obvious all the time no um no. but it's there's a lot in there that is is, is good stuff so. yeah I said someone the other day again I've probably said this before that I think one of my superpowers is my googling skills yeah. and um he was you know saying much the same but he said you know oh, what did he say he said um something like 95 percent of people are oh i can't think how he described it now, but it's like they you know they just do what not what they're told but you know it is what it is sort of thing and yeah. there's only like five people who are that curious that they try and break it to see what else it can do sort of thing yeah and push it I, to its limits yeah yeah because yeah. I, I said I, I read an article about a guy who said he was a computer uh, support person and he's only that because he's been the one who's pressed buttons broken things tried to make things work in a certain way over the years and that's how he's 
basically taught himself to do it and and I think that's so true because I've always been a bit like that I was like oh I can't really break this I mean occasionally I have deleted things I shouldn't <laughs> <laughs> yes so it works and then, out then you're looking at going can I reverse that <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> it's fine but then you just have to think of a way of explaining it when uh, it turns out that you've ruined somebody's <laughs> well yeah but I mean, it's like most softwares i mean like smartphones are a good example probably most of us use five percent of the capacity of what our smartphones can do don't they and yeah it's only when you really push them and dig into it you go oh my god it does that that's amazing mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah exactly yeah, yeah so you talked about sort of working long hours and that uh, you know you're doing a lot of the support and obviously you've got um your business partner doing a lot of the technical stuff do you have other people do you outsource any other aspects currently and if not is there a plan to and what do you think that might look like yeah well so we've certainly got an accountant who does that side of it um and so we outsource that works in terms of doing the returns and the vat and all the rest mm-hmm. um we haven't up until this point although we've outsource a couple of pieces of the tech in other words like the chat function we could have built it ourselves but it, it wasn't needed when we could implant software that was already built and ran mm. on the draft pad so we've outsourced in that sense but just before um all of this sort of lockdown kicked off and before it even seemed like it was going to happen and ian was over in the uk actually we had a, a, some time together and we mapped out a plan for this year where we we're going to outsource two really important things one was the user experience we we're just talking about mm. and also the user interface mainly because we've, the plans we've got to add functionality is is so vast that they're the things that slow him up he's very he's brilliant at the coding but it slows him up when he has to do the design work mm-hmm. uh, and i know i'm not technical enough to do that either so we're going to outsource that and, and get work with an agency we hope can do all of it for us so yeah. it's just one um, and then also the plan is when we get to that stage we'll probably start outsourcing some of the marketing stuff because whilst i do it all now i'm no expert and i think having some expert input and advice on that side will really help us as well so mm-hmm. and i guess as you say things hadn't taken off quite as well before lockdown and and you probably had more time before to do a lot of the stuff as well it seems like uh, the time's it's, going <laughs> yeah it's, it's interesting i mean i feel like i've got no time but then I, i've got no none of the training business to work on at the moment so in mm-hmm. some ways i've got more time which is why i'm now focusing a lot on the marketing um mm-hmm. so more the, the outsourcing there will be less for the time element more for the expertise yeah, yeah. the expertise involved and then maybe i can take that on and, and build that into what we do so yeah so you talked um already about how important things like exercise and your lifestyle has been to you throughout your career uh you've also talked about how passionate you are with with the business now how much are you focusing on yourself in terms of potential burnout um and all that sort of stuff um and how much are you just sort of <laughs> riding along on the wave at the moment but you know <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, i mean you've got uh, the exercise haven't you which is something that you always yeah. prioritize from what you've said Absolutely. The exercise is, mm-hmm. is critical to me to the point where, you know, I, I've got a really, really good friend who's also a trainer, runs his own business and similar to me, does similar exercise, runs a lot uh, and maybe a few other things. And both of us share this sort of paranoia of getting injured just because knowing that if you have like a, a leg strain or a ligament strain and you can't run, mm. the impact that then has on you, which sounds ridiculous, shouldn't have to be so reliant on one thing. There's other exercise one can do, but running for me is how I clear my head, how I plan my day how i prioritize stuff um Mm -hmm. and it is priceless to me so i've actually like i said every single day without exception is doing an hour of of either running or or other exercise every other day Mm -hmm. Um, and i'm still finding time that i'm not finding time for any kind of cycling which i miss a bit or getting into other things that is is so useful you know by living by the sea like paddleboarding and things like that so I know that I haven't got time for that, but I don't really mind that because what time I do have free, I want to spend with my children anyway. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I don't, you know, you mentioned the word burnout and unless I'm being naive and missing it, I think because I'm so thoroughly enjoying everything I do with building mm. this business and building this product, it doesn't feel like it's having the effect on me. If I was doing mm. this much work in my training business, yes, it would burn me out. The constant delivery, the constant traveling, I think I would probably feel that. Yeah. Um, yeah. But because I'm based at home, because I'm working on something that just doesn't feel like a job, um, and, and, it, and I can, you, know, you can see the tangible growth as we sign new people up and we see the, acti- the activity that's going on in DraftPad in the last 
two to three months compared to maybe this time last year is just frankly ridiculous yeah. and that that just gives its motivation and energy back to you as well so yeah um, yeah because yeah. like, it's about um the sort of as you said in, enjoying whatever that might look like isn't it it's when it becomes mm. a chore or when you know you have so many people asking you questions that you can't do the things that you want to do it's only when those things start to happen that that it becomes an issue and as long as that's not happening it's yeah, not about the hours is it no absolutely and you know it might be you know if, if a support call comes through at eight o'clock and i might finally have sat down I might have treated myself to a glass <laughs> of wine I, I feel my eyebrows go up slightly I'm like, no, this is and then invariably it's an enjoyable call because it's helping someone resolve a question or an issue or, or getting them set up with a demo or giving them a resource they need um yeah. and it actually I, I enjoy it so yes yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. and yeah. as long as they know there might be a bit of slowing involved it'll be fine <laughs> exactly <laughs> they're probably at the same stage of the day anyway so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly it reminds me about many years ago i was recruiting for the company i worked for at the time and somebody phoned me up at like 8 30 at night on my mobile and and um that was in the days when i would have not thought to not answer it whereas now i wouldn't dream of answering no. it but uh, yeah. i had had a few glasses of wine and i was not particularly coherent <laughs> well i figured you know they they, they timed it wrong <laughs> exactly they, they have to live with the consequences <laughs> exactly they probably didn't get the job either but <laughs> so what about um sort of personal development learning and improving I guess um, that's one of the things that uh, is harder to fit in when you're really busy but sounds like you probably did a lot of because that was your job and also how can you build a new business without without it but do you carve time out for it now? Yeah so it's probably very very different to sort of pre-giraffe pad when when it was solely as a training coach business i had a very sort of concerted plan that along with sort of everyday learning i would have one proper investment in myself every single year whether that be some kind of accreditation qualification skill whatever it might be it was a real plan to do that with the onset of giraffe pad it's like every single thing i do is almost a learning process i've never run a software business before i've never mm. i've never built a subscription business before i've never had a to scale a business like this like with a training business it was just me with giraffe pad there is no limit to how many customers we can have so every single day and just about every single thing i do i'm learning whether that be creating a video um supporting a client updating something designing a new feature so rather than kind of proactive learning it's almost like i am constantly reactively learning from everything i'm doing mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. and it's interesting because we had a bit of a chat at the beginning about podcasts and so what i'm probably not doing at the moment is the more proactive learning saying right this in the next two months find time to listen to that or read this or do this to learn from those things yeah. and, and that's something I, I do want to do and, and i'm very keen to but um it's not like i'm not learning at all it's just i'm probably one big learning session all day long <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly <laughs> lovely so last couple of questions firstly what about those days where it all goes horribly wrong how do you deal with those days that's an interesting one um i think in a way, it's, it's something that Ian has helped hugely with me here because he's so strong on the technical side and so constantly learning and improving himself on that side. He's introduced lots of um, sort of principles around how you build a technical product, how you build a software company into my learning style. So the idea of, of getting a, a minimum viable product out there that isn't perfect and allowing yourself to take the feedback to make the improvements. Mm. Um, that, you know, when we're small like this, I've got such a personal relationship with most of our customers. If any time anything goes wrong, and it rarely, rarely does, but if it does, I feel it very, very personally. And Ian immediately says that this is okay. This is always happens at the early stage. It's better that it happens now when we've got X number of customers than when we've got 10,000. Yeah. Um, and so ironically even though he's not the coach or the trainer he'll sometimes inadvertently coach me and bring those principles to place so I've, I've, I've and i've really built on those and so i don't find i have days where it all goes wrong if that makes sense yeah it's like i never never stop doing stuff whether it's support work or stuff i've planned and if i go downstairs i say downstairs because i've moved upstairs to the office <laughs> while the kids are at home yeah if i go downstairs and I, I start berating myself for not having get stuff done i catch it quite quickly and recognize and say do you know what 
it actually doesn't matter. We've still got a business. We've still got clients that are happy. Um, and tomorrow we'll, we'll rebuild this. We'll get that working. We'll do whatever yeah. it has to be. So yeah. I'm not having days where it all goes wrong at the moment. No. <laughs> and do, you, do you think lockdown's playing a part in that as well? I mean, I, I certainly feel like I've got nothing to complain about. And, um, and yeah. in the main, apart from the, the stress of the world having <laughs> completely mm. changed, yeah. I actually, you know, have, have kept quite buoyant as, as a result of the fact that, you know, I'm in a privileged, lucky position, I guess. Absolutely. Uh, you know, we, mm. we're very fortunate in that on a personal side, we, you know, we have a garden, we have enough space in the house mm. we live in to, mm. to not be on top of each other. We don't want to be, we're close to the seafront. Um, we're close to mountains or hills and five you know, mountains. In mountains yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm imagining dreaming. <laughs> yeah. Um, so on that side, you know, and, and our broadband hasn't failed. So, you know, a PlayStation and Netflix, a phone and me doing has <laughs> all mag- magically managed to work. Um, yeah. And then, the business is 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 just skyrocketed in terms of interest and it seems to yeah. resonate with people so uh, yeah i if we lock out what the, all the negative stuff is going on in the world on a personal level lockdown is definitely helping yeah 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 we had a power cut the other day that was a bit odd <laughs> it only lasted for about an hour and a half and i i sort of had forgotten that i've got you know mobile internet and i've got two battery packs that are always charged up and obviously i've got you know charged up laptop and goodness yeah. knows what else so it didn't actually impact the fact that i was about to jump onto a coaching call or, or whatever um but uh, it, but it was odd because it doesn't happen very often so it uh, no. it's you know how much we rely on these that sounds things. super organized that you've actually got battery packs charged up that's very organized <laughs> but you know i mean i, I wonder I'm, I'm sure a lot of us are just taking for granted the the what the broadband enables us all to do yes and you yeah. know had this happened 20 years ago it would be very Absolutely. very different yeah wouldn't it? I, yeah, I can't imagine what this experience would have been like without the technology. No, um, but no. on this sort of organised front, I am a, a, a caravanner, um, and I uh, I would ordinarily yeah. this week right now be in my caravan, um, right. and so I need all of those things, and I'm very yeah. aware of power because we use solar panels and have to conserve the power. <laughs> um, uh, that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> and I also uh, I also pride myself on the fact that I can run my my business from my handbag effectively so my laptop fits in it my my battery chargers are in there my mobile internet's in there so um i do have sort of processes to make sure that they're all keeping charged although interesting on the lockdown (laughs) front i had to get my um purse out to to get my credit card out the other day and it was a really odd experience opening the drawer where i keep my handbag and getting my purse and actually having my purse in my hand because i haven't left the house for 11 weeks or whatever it is I, and no. of course I haven't needed any of that, that stuff. It was really weird. And normally it's the thing you pick up all the time, you know? So. I know I was talking to a trainer yesterday who, who uses a, uh, like a, a monthly a higher purchase car type thing, you know, where you have a certain amount of mileage you're allowed to use and everything yes. else. And he tries to keep on top. He's there's loads of traveling. And so he's always very conscious. He's about to go over that. And he said, I did my mid April to mid May calculation. and I've done seven miles yeah. in four weeks. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, when I bought it, it had more than seven miles on it. It's like, uh, but we're just, yeah, there's certain things we're just not doing or using anymore. No. I'm half expecting to open my wallet and find an out-of-date £10 note. In yes, yeah, yeah. Well, that was one of my sort of um, to-do list tick items that has happened very quickly for the last two months, which is to record my mileage for last month. <laughs> yeah, well, Same go. sort of principle. It was like, phew, I can tick that off really quickly. So yeah, very another positive. <laughs> so um, last question then. What about on those days when you get to live more and that's where I describe it as getting to do more of the things that you want to do and less of the stuff that you don't want to do what do those mm. days look like for you so if it's not doing f- development work on giraffe I'd like the, the, the bit I particularly love is, is designing the new features if it's not that and it's outside of work uh, it's definitely outside it definitely revolves around exercise either with the kids or on my own um, normally it would involve mountain biking over the downs or through the forest at the moment it involves running i would happily go mm. running two or three times a day um but also it's not supposed to sound sort of oh, what's the right word i don't know sometimes softy but one of the things around this whole lockdown process i've really enjoyed is having the kids at home yeah um and, and actually being able to spend lunch with them and sit mm. out in the garden with them for having a break from stuff and and, and mm. seeing them grow with the stuff they're doing is just amazing mm. and i love how, that. how old are yours so they're 13 and 11 yeah so my daughter's 13 and i've said exactly the same almost immediately because she's a a night bird so she's she c- cannot get up to go to school at seven in the morning and all that sort of stuff um and she's you know staying up late sleeping in all that sort of stuff and mm. uh just her general 
demeanor and you know how she's been has been so lovely yeah, yeah okay we've had our moments but you know yeah, in course, general yeah. that has been such a, a lovely thing so you know whatever happens with schooling because you know she works the deadlines and i know she's not doing some of the things she's supposed to be doing and everything <laughs> else i just think you know i will look back at this period and think it was such a a lovely developmental period in terms of absolutely. our relationship you know which yeah. normally we wouldn't have got would we no no absolutely and I, yeah it's it's been a real positive and, and i also i sort of get myself i mean she does all of her schoolwork. my son slightly less <laughs> um but you know i, I figure if in the grander scheme of things six months out of school exactly that you know mm. they're going to pick it back up again they'll be fine and it's it's yeah I've loved yeah. it. I said at the beginning, you know, we'll either be looking back going, oh, they were the children of 2020, summer 2020, um, <laughs> or nobody will care or know or anything because no. the same as, you know, my GCSEs <laughs> don't have any bearing on what I do now. I'm sure yours don't either. No, so. well, gee, <laughs> I, I mean, look, I mean, look at the home learning. Some of the things they do, I, I catch myself saying, don't worry, you'll never use it in real no, life. No, <laughs> exactly, exactly. And I'm actually now just laughing about the fact that I said GCSEs. I did O-levels. I am that old. <laughs> God, I was literally the very first year of GCSEs. Uh, we were the guinea pigs. Yeah, you're the same age as my sister. I was older than her, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> oh, brilliant. Lovely. It's been so good talking to you, Mark. Really appreciate you uh, joining me. Hope it's been a, a lovely experience for your per- first podcast interview. First podcast ever. <laughs> and, and thanks to you, Joe. It's been wonderful. Thank you very much. Yeah. <laughs> lovely. So tell people a bit more about how they can get in touch with you and um, find out more about GiraffePad. Well, yeah, they can uh, check us out on our website, which is nice and simply giraffepad.com. But in terms of getting in touch with me, I'm far most active on LinkedIn. um, And they can find me under Mark Williams or giraffepad on LinkedIn. And that's where I post most of our updates and our feature stuff and our interviews and our um, uh, videos on there as well. So that would be the best place to find me. That's brilliant. Thanks a lot, Mark. Thanks, Joe. Stop feeling stuck and overwhelmed. Join Power to Live More Calm membership today and make an investment in your future. The Power to Live More Calm membership is designed for coaches and consultants struggling with the pressures of running a home-based business. You get access to our supportive community, including weekly Zoom calls, accountability, learning materials teaching you online marketing, audience building, income generation and all sorts of other things you need to run your home-based business with ease, along with materials like templates, checklists and planners to keep you motivated organized and productive to learn more about the power to live more calm membership program and apply visit powertolivemore.com slash get calm use your power to live more